0: In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John chapter 1, verse
1: 1.
0: This is the Essential Bible Studies podcast. My name is Tim Young. And I'm Jay Mayock. Hi Jay, and welcome back. Thank you very much. Bringing you back for a challenge. John chapter 1. And talking about this verse 1 and what it means. And I need your help. Because uh, last season we've been talking about this concept of God manifestation and how Jesus, when he said, I and the Father are one, what that means, that they're one in purpose, one in spirit, one in unity. Yeah. We talked about his phrasing in John chapter 10 when he said, "Ye are gods, and, and what that means. And we talked about this concept of the Trinity, and how the Trinity is not really, it's not a biblical term. You won't find the word Trinity in there, although people say that this concept of the Trinity is, is in there. So I was challenged a little bit uh, by this, and somebody used this verse, John chapter 1, verse 1, to prove that Jesus is God. And there's this article that I have. It's called The Doctrine of the Trinity in a Nutshell, and that's very handy, a little nutshell. This is from a website called credohouse.org, and it's basically a theological kind of website, and they define the Trinity for us. I thought it would be helpful to start off this
1: way. Definitely.
0: About what we're talking about, whether this is right or wrong, and whether John 1 verse 1 is really supporting this. But here's a basic definition of the Trinity that it uses. Christians worship one God who eternally exists in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit all of whom are fully God, all of whom are equal. And when that definition says they are fully God, later on in this article it says, all the members of the Trinity are all fully God since they share in the exact same nature, right? Wow. So that's something that is a theological understanding of God Mm -hmm. and Jesus Christ. And the interesting thing is in this article, I'll, I'll put the I'll link to this in the notes for the podcast, just so you, if you want to see this. The interesting thing, he goes through trying to explain it, and he uses John chapter 1, verse 1 mm-hmm. as a proof of it. But at the end, in the concluding paragraph, he says this, and I quote, he says, No Christian understands the doctrine of the Trinity fully. In fact, if people are not confused to some degree by this doctrine, if someone says, Ooh, now I understand it probably means they have slipped into heresy in their thinking. If we think about it too long, try to solve it, or nuance it according to our desire to comprehend things, we will find ourselves refusing the hand of God who has given the mysterious trinity to us as a description of himself. While it is impossible that finite beings can fully comprehend an infinite God— we can' understand him truly. the doctrine of the Trinity does not give us the full understanding of God, but it does give us a true understanding of God.
1: Mm.
0: I read that paragraph, and I said, "Ah, oh, that doesn't sit very well with me. I don't know how it sat with you, jay. no,
1: <laughs> it doesn't sit too well with me either. You know
0: the Bible doesn't say that we're supposed to be confused no by no understanding God I mean that's life eternal is to know God is to right? know, yeah so. I need your help with this because it does seem like when you read that first verse in John chapter 1, that there is something there. In the beginning was the Word, and mm-hmm. the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Even in my Bible, in mm-hmm. the introduction of my Bible, which is not part of the Scriptures, but it's helpful sometimes, it says the opening verses declare that Jesus is God. Yes. Right.
1: Yeah. It is a challenge, and it's, I think – made even more challenging, as you just read from the introduction of your Bible, which contains what the publishers might think the text means that follows that little note. I mean, it's so important to make sure, just like what you do on this podcast, we try to get to exactly what it is that the scriptures are saying. And just on a side note, before we jump into what it is that the Gospel of John really is all about, we'd make a really interesting podcast to talk about that word mystery. Because oh, I, me- I yeah, heard about that yeah. in what you just read by, by that author on the website, because he said it the mysterious Trinity, and it's it'd be interesting to follow through in the New Testament what a mystery actually right. is. Is it something that's incomprehensible, or is it something that can now be understood and I, grasped? I
0: think it's something that's revealed now, and it's, yeah, yeah it, you're right. But, yeah. you know, so many people, I think, are given that, that, yeah, it's a mystery, you're yep. supposed to be confused by that, and they just kind of accept that. Yeah. And what we're going to do here is just kind of open it up. And I don't think that's really right. You know, it's yes. kind of, it's a little disingenuous to say, well, if if you're not confused, then you must be heresy, right? right? But right. you are meant to understand yeah. how God is related to Jesus and how it relates to our salvation, right? Yes. So.
1: Well, and really part of that, understanding Almighty God who had a son, part of what John is all about, as we'll see, is it's teaching us to become sons and daughters of God. Mm, So for us to understand the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God is the key for us to understand how it is that we too can become sons and daughters. And I think we'll see that as we keep reading the first little section here that's known as the prologue to the Gospel of John. So I guess maybe the best way to start out by talking about what John 1 is actually talking about is to say it has its roots— in some very well-known scriptures. And if we were to just jump into John chapter Mm one and say, I think I know exactly what John chapter one is talking (laughs) about without having a look at the rest of the scriptures and how it leads into the gospel of John, it's really not gonna help us too much. And it may be that the scripture and especially this particular scripture remains mysterious to us because we don't have any kind of biblical footing upon which to stand. Mm. So, if we just look at the very beginning, which is where the Gospel of John starts, it really is about the beginning. It's about the beginning of absolutely everything. And at the beginning of absolutely everything, when we think back to the Genesis creation, for example, we know that God had a plan from the very beginning. And His Word, which is what we're reading right now, we read all the way through the Bible, is the expression of the thoughts and the wisdom of god so in that sense we could say that the word well it is god because it expresses everything that god is that might seem like a kind of a strange thing to say but the gospel writer john who we're reading from also wrote a couple of epistles he wrote 3 epistles actually yes and here it talks about how the word was god or god was the word but john also says that god is light in 1 john chapter 1 at verse 5. And what do we mean by light? Well, if we look all the way through the scriptures, light is a symbol. It's a symbol of intelligence and understanding, right? If you've been enlightened about something, it's an expression of purity and of truth and of rightness or righteousness and also of life.
0: Right, right.
1: And it also says that God is love as well. Okay. So 1 John chapter 4, Why? how is it that God is love? Well, We look throughout the scriptures and we see that God is a God who desires a relationship with his creation. He wants to reconcile people to himself. He's slow to anger. He has tender care for his creation. And also part of love is rebuke and correction. We read a lot about that in the Bible as well. So God is love. God is light. And God is his word as well.
0: Okay. Yeah, I think that conceptually kind of start getting a handle on that, because when you read that first verse, I think people are very quick to say, Well, Jesus is the Word, therefore Jesus is God right. in the very first verse. But you say, What? Let's just slow down here a minute because John is using this phrase mm-hmm. for a reason. Yes. There's a reason he just didn't say Jesus is God. Yeah. There's a reason for him saying the Word was God. Yes. And so I've looked up the word Word. <laughs> yeah. In the Strong's Concordance, Mm -hmm. you can look at it in lexicons and those kind of things. And it's a word logos in Greek. Right. And it's a little bit more flavor than we would have in the English for the word word. Mm -hmm. It means that which is kind of like thought and spoken, just like that whole process. So it's really with the intent and the purpose that is spoken in the word. That's revealed in a word, right? Mm-hmm. So you can also put in there the purpose or the reason, right? Yeah. In, oh, the, yeah. in the idea of logos, right? Right. That I think is interesting. I think it's getting at a little bit more of why John was using this phrase right, right. at this very beginning. Yes. And not just simply saying that Jesus is God.
1: Yes. And th- there's great comfort in that, in the plan and purpose that God had from the very beginning. That right. He declares something. And it's going to happen. It's going to come to pass. It's that expression here as we read about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ in the Gospel of John. That was all part of that original logos from the very beginning. Right. And so one of the great secrets of understanding what's happening here in the Gospel of John is that it's upon this original creation, the heavens and the earth and everything that God created in the natural world and the universe, that becomes the platform upon which here on this earth that a new creation is to be developed. And that was part of the plan from the very beginning.
0: A new creation. Mm -hmm. We'll talk
1: about that more in a minute. Okay. But (laughs) first, to have a look at You're just teasing me. I'm just teasing you. (laughs) But if we have a look first at maybe the original creation and about how it was that the Word of God played a part of that. So we could have a look at... Psalm 33 and 6 for this. Okay. Beautiful little summary of what happened at the very beginning and how the Word of God was involved because he had a plan for everything that uh, he was to do in the earth. So Psalm 33 and 6 says very succinctly, By the Word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their host... So the word of the Lord goes forth and the job gets done. And you go back to Genesis chapter one and it says, he puts the earth there and the moon. And oh, by the way, he made the stars also. Like, just like a little afterthought, right? <laughs> by the word of the Lord, those things were happening. And he names everyone, it says.
0: Well, that's the thing. I mean, he says, and God said. Yes. And it, it was yeah. accomplished, right? It was by his word. That's the power of his word just yes. to create.
1: Yeah. But it's a clear appeal to Genesis here in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and everything in that Word was an expression of the thoughts and the wisdom of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. You could summarize and know everything about God if you knew what it was that that plan and purpose was in the Word at the very beginning. So, you ever think about what that first word— was spoken by God.
0: Well, when I said before, it says, and God said. Yep. The first one is, and God said, let there be light.
1: Yes. Right? Yeah. So the first command given that's actually attributed to God speaking in all of the Bible, back in Genesis chapter one, is let there be light. Or from what I'm told, I'm not in no way a Hebrew expert. uh, You can look at like some of those, uh, um, like Green's interlinear Bible, and you can see what Mm -hmm. order the words come in. Yeah. And it's light be. So light is actually that first word. And it's interesting because okay. in the Gospel of John, uh, there seems to be another little connection to that early on, because it says in uh, John chapter 1, a little bit later on in that chapter, in verse 4, in him, it's speaking about the word here, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So inside that word was life and the life was the light of men. So there it brings us right back to the original creation. Just like there was actual literal light there at the beginning, so too, as we'll see in the new creation, light stands for something.
0: There you go again with the new creation. Yep. Gotta wait still, eh?
1: Gotta wait still. Okay. We're getting closer though.
0: Yeah, I'm getting my head wrapped around here because you brought in how God is light, God is love, God is the word. It's the word is who he is, his plan and purpose. So and we can see that the word from the very beginning went out. That's all very good. It's like I can get that concept, but in John chapter 1, it's a person, right? Because in verse 2 it says he was in the beginning with god so we're not really talking about a concept here are we talking about a person
1: well it's a little bit of both and i think when we have a look at the gospel of john here we can see something that happens all throughout scripture even though we're not talking personally about the lord jesus christ here we're talking about something that's broader this broader idea is actually personified as we'll see this idea this wisdom of god this plan this purpose this logos of god is personified.
0: So you're saying it's kind of like a poetical way to bring life to this concept, to personify it.
1: One of the excellent passages where we see the idea of personification behind the Word of God is in Psalm 147 at verse 15. And see if you can spot the personification here, Tim. Uh, Verse 15, it says that he sends out his command to the earth. His word runs swiftly."
0: His word runs. And how it. does a word run? Exactly. Swiftly. Right. OK. Right. This
1: is Psalm 147. This is poetry. And it's describing what it is that the word does. The word of God accomplishes that which he sends it out to do, when he sends it on its errand, as it were. Right. We've got another one too as well in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, and this is a good one. It's also a nice little exercise here to have a look at a concordance if you have one for this one on your own time. But in 2 Thessalonians 3, in verse 1, finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you.
0: That's very similar to the Psalm 1. But yeah. Running. Yeah. Speeding ahead, yeah. Yeah.
1: And in that place, the word of the gospel was running ahead, speeding ahead, and the actual Greek word there, if you have a look, it's the word run, that the word may run and accomplish what it was sent out to do. And there's another one in Psalm 107 at verse 20. And this is speaking about the wonderful works of God, He sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. So might not be as graphic here, but can you spot it here as well?
0: He sent out his word as if... Yeah, word's a concept. How do you send it out like that? Almost like it's a living thing or something.
1: Yeah, Exactly. It's the idea of personification here as well. And there are other passages that connect to this too. So that's a good little segue into... One of my favorite little sections in the prophecy of Isaiah. Do you have a favorite prophet, Tim?
0: I love this section, too. Like, I don't know. (laughs) Favorite prophet. I know you love Isaiah.
1: (laughs) It's a great little section.
0: Isaiah 55.
1: Yes. And if we just begin at verse 8, these are the words of God through Isaiah. And God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. He's speaking to his people here. Neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now listen to this here and look for that personification. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: Definite personification there, huh?
0: I, I can almost fit Jesus Christ in that because God sent Jesus Christ. Yeah. And he fulfilled his word and accomplished his purpose. Yes. To bring salvation, so. Yep. So shall my word be that goes from my mouth, shall not return unto me empty. Yes. Right. Yeah, I'm starting to build up a sense of how things are personified in Scripture. And so the word is personified. Mm -hmm. And it made me think of another passage where it's not the word that's personified, but it's wisdom that's personified. This is one that's... Really interesting because it actually has to do with the same idea of in the beginning. Yeah. And it's Proverbs chapter
1: 8. This is such a good one.
0: If you've never connected Proverbs 8 with John 1, I suggest you kind of sit down and look at the two back and forth. It's all of Proverbs chapter 8. We're not going to read the whole thing here, but just as an introduction. Wisdom is personified in Proverbs. Wisdom is a, a woman, though. Interesting enough, because that's what it says in verses 1 and 2, does not wisdom call, does not understanding raise her voice on the heights beside the way at the crossroads, she takes her stand. And so this whole chapter is about this woman, wisdom, and she starts speaking in verse 12, I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. Mm -hmm. So wisdom is personified as a woman. She's speaking, and then when we get down to verses 22, it goes all the way through 31, but it might be helpful for us to read this whole section here, Jay, even though it's a long one, but you can really get the echoes here with John chapter 1, mm-hmm. and it really makes you think about, like you said, this use of personification that John is using yep. really seems to be based in Scripture. So, I'll read it here. Let's start at verse 22. The Lord possessed me, this is the woman wisdom. right And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Yeah. (laughs) It's all the same language about being in the beginning with God, but it's a personification. It's not a real woman with God. It couldn't be
1: because there's only one God. That's right. This is not a female deity that we're talking about here.
0: Right, yeah. I mean, it certainly helps me with how John is actually dealing with it in the very first part of his prologue.
1: It's a big help. That is marked in my Bible, Proverbs 8, right next to John chapter 1. Helps out a whole (laughs) lot for sure. This really is speaking about the original creation. It's the one that we had a look at from the passages in Psalms that we read, right? Psalm 147, Psalm 33. This is speaking about the original creation. And what incredible wisdom and intelligence would be required to do all these things? I mean, scientists, are, they look to the earth, they look to the heavens. It's overwhelming to see the the incredible amount of power and design that there is behind all of these things. But it is amazing as this original creation is, as we've said before, this earth is the platform upon which God is developing now a brand new creation.
0: Okay, good. This is where you're going to explain yes. the new creation. Yes, <laughs> this is
1: it. As we look at some of these passages about the original creation— when we flip over into the New Testament, we see lots of language about a new creation, this new creation in Christ himself, who actually is the beginning of the new creation. Oh, yeah. He's the beginning. The beginning of the new creation. Of the new yeah. creation.
0: So that's a tricky part, is trying to separate out these. Is it talking about Genesis like a physical creation, or is yes. it talking about this new creation in Jesus Christ, which is a spiritual creation? New creation. Exactly. You're talking about. Right.
1: Yeah. So, like, what one do you think this is all about? What creation are we talking about here in Mark chapter one, verse one, where it says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God?
0: Okay. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, the other gospel, Mark, starts with the word the beginning. Yeah. Just like John does. And Genesis. And Genesis. Yeah.
1: yeah? Okay. Yeah. But
0: that one is the beginning of the gospel of
1: Jesus Christ. Yeah. it's the beginning of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. It gives you the story of how the new creation in Christ was developed. You see it again in Luke, actually, too, if you just flip okay. over to the next gospel. Luke chapter 1. And it's really the first four verses, but I'm, I'm going to paraphrase Luke here for some of this. But he says that there were many who had undertaken to compile a narrative— Of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who, from the beginning, were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. From the beginning. Yeah, from the beginning. We're talking about the beginning of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. Luke chapter 1.
0: Right. Can I throw something in here really quick? Because You you, you have Mark and Luke, but Matthew starts with the genealogy of Jesus Christ, which that word genealogy is... Genesis. Yes. Oh, that's a good one. (laughs) All the gospels start this way then. They do. Talking about some beginning, but it's the beginning of the ministry of Jesus Christ. Right.
1: Yep. And it takes you all the way back to the very beginning in Matthew. Does it not? Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham.
0: Right. It takes you to Abraham, Genesis. Takes you to Abraham. Not the very beginning. Not the very beginning. That's right. right. But to Abraham. But
1: to your point, we have to look to the context to determine exactly what kind of beginning we're talking about. Okay.
0: So, Yeah. Yeah. There's more than one beginning is what you're saying here. Yeah, exactly. So that's really interesting. You're bringing up this aspect of there's different beginnings. There's a new creation. And we'd been talking about this in one of the other podcasts when we're talking about being created in the image of the likeness of God. And it's from Colossians chapter 1 and verses 15 and 16 where I think it's the new creation, Right. Because yes. it says, he is the image, this is Jesus. Yeah. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Now, that firstborn of all creation, is that the old creation or is that the new creation? I think it's the new creation because in verse 16, he talks about all things were created In heaven or on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Those are principalities and powers. Those are spiritual things. They're not like rocks and trees and and, uh, animals and those kind of things. So when it says he was the firstborn of all creation, I think this is the new creation, especially because it says in verse 18, he is the head of the body, the church he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that wow. in everything he might be preeminent. So there's that word firstborn again, the yes. firstborn of all creation, the firstborn from the dead. That's the one. He is the head of the body of the church, right? It's it's really all this creation of his ecclesia or his church. That's the whole focus or center of that, right?
1: 2,000 years ago. What this is telling us is that 2,000 years ago, yeah. the new creation began. Hmm. That's part of the careful reading in this section. It's like, well, what's the flavor that that's being given by the apostle here under inspiration? And that verse 18 nails it for us. That's the beginning that we're talking about.
0: All right. okay. And then there's another one too. like well, they're all over the place. <laughs> once you're looking for these, they kind of pop out. but another really good one is in second Corinthians four and verses five through seven. Mm-hmm. And you can see just the, the Genesis allusions here, and I'm going to start at verse 5. Yeah. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, and here it is, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. For we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So that light is in our hearts. Like You can see that he's he's going back to Genesis. Yep. He's quoting that. Yep. But it's about a light in our hearts. It's yep. about this new creation that's yep. integrally tied with Jesus Christ, who yep. is this manifestation of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, right? Yeah.
1: That's a fantastic passage. And to bring us back to where we began in the Gospel of John chapter 1, we start to move on from that original creation that we had a look at in the early portion of chapter 1, right around verses 1 and 2. And we also read about that new creation that you've just spoken about from Colossians 1 and 2 Corinthians 4. We read about that here in John chapter 1 as well. It says it right there in verse 12. It says, But to all who did receive him, and this is speaking in particular about the Lord Jesus Christ as the light, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's a new creation. Do you see the language of a new birth? Yeah. That's what's happening here. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. It's a spiritual birth.
0: Yeah, being born again. Being is born again. the same as in the new creation. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. incredible.
1: It's, it's all about baptism. Yeah. It's beautiful how John leads us to that new creation after talking about how it was that the word, the plan was there in the original creation, that Christ eventually would come to be the head of this new creation, just like what Colossians yeah. said. yeah.
0: But Jay, I think that was, that was really helpful, I think, trying to get our head wrapped around that. I mean, it's, John chapter one is so incredibly deep and <laughs> it's, so yes. wonderful in, in a lot of different ways, but it is understandable. I think we can yeah. see, like, mm-hmm. you're bringing in all the other scriptures here mm-hmm. and how we can understand it. It doesn't have to be confusing. Yeah. And this is not the end of the story. We still got verse 14. Yes. And this is still talking about the word. The word was made flesh, mm-hmm. right? So... We're going to do that in the next podcast because there's so much more in just that one verse that we need to talk about in these yeah. regards. So let's do it. All right. All right. <laughs> We're giving away free essential Bible study and media kits, which includes stickers, bookmarks, and business cards. This is a really cool way to share the podcast, and I wouldn't blame you if you kept some of it for yourself. I have to say this is a pretty sweet package. All you have to do is send us your mailing address using our website contact form or direct message us on Instagram or Facebook and then wait anxiously at the mailbox for it to arrive. We'd like to meet you. Every Tuesday night, we meet online for a Zoom Bible study. Come by and just say hi. It's an informal group discussion format where everybody is encouraged to ask questions and share their perspectives on the scriptures. I think you'll really like it. It happens every Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. To get the Zoom meeting link, go to our website at www.essentialbiblestudies.org and fill out the form. Speaking of questions, if you ever have a question about the podcast or the subject matter, then drop it on us at our website contact form. Again, that's www.essentialbiblestudies.org. If you like the podcast, please just take a little bit of time and rate us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you see stars. I love seeing stars, especially five stars. This is a Christadelphian podcast supported by the book Road Ecclesia, not too far away from the breezy shores of Lake Ontario, one of the greatest of the Great Lakes. Until next time, my dear friends, may God help you to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen.